But I invite you to grab your Bibles, and we are going to be looking at the book of Galatians this morning. We're departing just briefly from our study in the Gospel of Mark, and we are in the book of Galatians this morning. And I'm going to be talking specifically about faithfulness. This is a farewell Sunday. We are saying farewell to a couple of our longtime members and, uh, and, and servants here at the church. And we're going to be doing that at the close of our service. And we're also celebrating and commissioning a few new ones that God has given to us here at the church. So we're dwelling on faithfulness today. This past week, I started getting up early, working out again. There was one point in my life where I would have been excited about that, where I would have been like, yes, all right, this is a new beginning. This is a new change. But you know what? I've learned better than to get excited about that because as many times as I have started again and again and again, I have stopped working out again and again and again. In fact, this past week, I've already stopped. <laughs> Two times I got up early and worked out, and then I got a blister, and then it was, it was, it was over. My wife laughed at me. God will forgive you. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that? We start and stop things all the time, don't we? If it's not working out, it's, it's quitting this or it's starting that. It's eating healthier. It's saving money. It's practicing this or it's never, ever, ever doing that again. And we tell ourselves that we're going to stay the course. We tell ourselves that we're going to be consistent, that we're going to be faithful, but it's so much easier said than done. <laughs> You've heard the phrase, they don't make them like they used to, and everyone goes, yep, that is so true. We get upset when our cars fail us. We get upset when our appliances break down. We want reliability, but if we're honest with ourselves, the thing that we can rely on the most is our own unreliability. Am I right? That's the way it is. But what's really amazing to me is that we seem to live in a society which is increasingly okay with unreliability, at least when it comes to ourselves. You don't feel like that anymore? Well, then why keep doing that thing that you're doing? That's not convenient for you anymore? Well, then Try this over here. That path, it, it, it's, it's harder to walk than you thought it was going to be. Well, we'll just try another. He's not doing it. She's not doing it for you the way that you would like. Well, just find somebody else already. No one's going to think the less of you. No one's going to point the finger at you. In a world which has elevated personal preference and self-satisfaction, character qualities such as consistency and responsibility and reliability, they're getting harder and harder to come by. Ask any employer, right? And they will tell you that good help is getting harder and harder to find. Look at the divorce rate out there, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Look at the, the people that we voted for. We thought they were going to be this way, and they're this way. They're unreliable. You thought you were friends. You thought you were lifelong friends. Nothing ain't ever going to come between us. Then you found out otherwise. This might sound a little shocking to you, but you know that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. 
If the story that the Bible gives us about humanity is true, then commitment and unwavering steadfastness and faithfulness, those should be foreign objects to us. Those should be strange and weird things to us. We're told that the human race wants a perfect people in sync, in perfect sync with the master's playbook, living in harmony with each other, in harmony with his character, trusting him completely, uh, walking hand in hand and step with step with his ways. They now walk according to their own ways, to their own desires. They march to the beat of their own drum. And everyone is inclined to do not what God wants them to do, but what is right in their own eyes, right? Paul describes this in Galatians 5. He, he describes it as the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh, what is that? Well, it, the desires of the flesh is to seek and satisfy those natural human needs and human desires apart from God and his design. To gratify the flesh, to gratify the desires of the flesh is to let them rule you. It's to bow to their cravings, to submit to their leadership. It's to go down whatever path they take you on. And where does the flesh end up taking us? Well, Paul describes it in Galatians 5.19. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. To be ruled by the flesh is not to go down the path of, of self-control or discipline, the fine-tuning of, of your being into a healthy, effective, efficient, powerful, reliable, difference-making, life-enhancing, peacemaking, others-blessing hero. That's not the path it takes you down on. But to follow the desires of the flesh, to gratify them, is to stagger and slide into an unreliable, whim-seeking, appetite-driven, gluttonous, home-wrecking, self-hating, people using, abusing, and abandoning slave. That's what it turns you into. And therein lies the source of our inability for reliability for consistency, for trustworthiness. We're continually sabotaged by a monster that's within. A monster that is compelling us not to live by our convictions, not to live by uh, what is right, to do the right thing, do the good thing, do the hard thing. No, 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 no. Do whatever it is that you want to do, whenever it is that you want to do it, with or to whom whoever you, you want to do it. And so we should, shouldn't be surprised. But Paul writes, there is hope. If you have your Bibles, look with me at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And we'll, we'll also put it up on the screens here. Galatians 5, 22 says, 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so those who have placed their trust in Jesus, who have God's Spirit living within them, they are uniquely empowered to live in a way that is in line with what God intended from the very beginning, rather than capitulating to those fleshly, animalistic desires. They're enabled to represent God as he designed them to do. They're people who are made in his image, and they are to speak into humanity what God is like. In other words, the Spirit empowers those who trust Jesus Christ to be faithful to their calling and faithful to their design. And it's faithfulness, that, that character quality of reliability that we're going to zero in on today. Are you reliable? Are you faithful? In a world that knows less and less of what it means to be faithful, let's look to God's Word and let's see what can be recaptured of this essential character quality. There are four, four things. There are many, many more that we could pull at today, but four things that I think we need to know about faithfulness. What do we know about faithfulness? Well, we know what faithfulness is because God's character has revealed it. God's shown us what faithfulness is. God, the Bible tells us, is faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. God's faithfulness is grounded in his perfect character. Now, our character's flawed. We're one way today. We're the, another way tomorrow. We get moody, don't we? I've been accused of that once or twice. We toss back and forth like a kite in the wind. But God is who he is. He's not just sometimes loving. He's always loving. He's not occasionally just. No, he's always just. He's not, not just good when the mood suits him or the circumstances are just right. No, he's always good and he's always right because that's who he is. And he's not just sort of reliable. He's always reliable. James tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So you see, he's absolutely, unwaveringly faithful and consistent and reliable. The Psalms tell us that again and again and again. In fact, there's so many of them that we can't even begin. We can't even go there today. But I encourage you, when you have time, sift through the 150 chapters of the Psalms, and you will see that God's faithfulness is a major theme. We see faithfulness in his character. He's always authentic to himself. 
He never has a, a day off. He never has an off day. He never pretends to be something he's not, and he never fails to measure up to who he is at his core. You can count on him to be who he is. He's faithful in his character, and it comes out in his actions. It comes out in his words. It comes out in his works. Psalm 33, 4, the only psalm I think we'll mention. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. We see that faithfulness demonstrated in his creation, don't we? We see it. Psalm 19 tells us the the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, part of that glory is God's faithfulness that is exemplified in it. As we study our solar system, we come to realize that everything has been fine-tuned. It faithfully remains in place so that life can exist the way it does on this planet. Now, scientists will tell you that that's by chance. Logic and God's word will tell you that's the work of a good and faithful designer. And not only did he design it, but Colossians tells us he actually holds it together. It falls apart if it were not for his active, intentional working. And so the planets orbiting, the sun rising and setting, and everything carefully following orchestrated patterns that testifies to us of God's faithfulness. They tell us God can be relied upon. You can rely on him. God's faithfulness is demonstrated in his works. It's also demonstrated in his promises. (laughs) Deuteronomy 7.9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Some of you were with us when we walked through the book of Genesis. <laughs> Some of you just caught a little bit of it in, you know, if you visited it in like the span of a year and a half, because it took us forever to get through that book. But you saw in the book of Genesis God giving this incredible plan to Abraham, a plan that was going to counteract this, the effect of sin of Adam and Eve in the world. And we saw time and time again how reckless actions of humanity, they should have just completely botched God's plan. God's promise should have just fallen apart. We saw that again. Oh my gosh. How's God going to get him out of this one? Look at what decision they're making here. Look at what they're doing here. Well, there it goes. We can't trust in this promise that God gave to Abraham. No, he faithfully brings it about again and again. We see that in Genesis. We see that entire Old Testament. Time and time again. How on earth is God going to bring about a savior to this weary world through these people? No way. And yet we get to the Gospels and we see four accounts that tell us God was faithful in keeping his promise. He came through on the promise of a savior. He came through on the promise of his Holy Spirit. He comes through on his promise to forgive us our sins. 1 John 1, 9. He's coming through on his promise not to give up on the good work that he started in us. Philippians 1. And he will come through on his promise to come again and to call us back to himself. 
Do you believe that? He's coming again. God's revealed His faithfulness through His works, through creation. He's revealed it through His promise-keeping. The last evidence of His faithful character that I'll give you this morning, and there are many, many more, but we don't have time for it. I encourage you, do a study through God's Word and watch and see the evidence of God's faithfulness again and again and again. You want something that you can hold on to in this crazy storm of a world that we are living in? Hold on to your Maker. Get a hold of this book, and it will point you to that truth. He's also faithful. Last one I'll mention this morning is he's faithful in preserving his people. I've only been here three years, and I've seen it again and again and again. God do incredible things that are beyond explanation to preserve his people. We encounter threat. We're at risk. The money's running out. The conflict is just too, too great. It's going to cripple us. It's going to, everything's going to crumble and collapse around us. Then we see God's faithful hand of preservation. It's amazing. Paul tells believers in 1 Corinthians 1.8 that God will sustain you. Hold on to this one. He will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. We know faithfulness because we know something about God, because he's what, what he's revealed to us about his character. We also know, we know that faithfulness, faithfulness must be reflected in us. Because God's word calls us to it. It calls for that. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? He's faithful. So in other words, because God, our maker and our savior, is faithful, we, his people, are called to be faithful. We're to hold on to what God has revealed to us in his word. Rather than veering off into searching for some other type of solution, rather than giving in to fear, rather than giving up and starting to live like there is no hope or nothing matters or maybe even God doesn't exist, we're to faithfully trust in what he has told us. We're to hold on to it. We're to rely upon it. Hold fast the confession of hope without wavering. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. If you know anything about 1 Corinthians 15, and many of you cherish this passage, you know that this passage is about the resurrection. It's about the resurrection of Jesus, and it's about the promise of resurrection for those who hope in Jesus Christ. It's the resurrection. The end is not the end. That's what we were talking about yesterday at the memorial service. It's not the end. But there is a resurrection, and those who hope in Jesus Christ will be raised to glorious, eternal life with Christ Jesus, their Lord. And that makes all the difference, doesn't it? All the difference. So when we see things falling apart, and we do every day, 
when we see our health decline, (laughs) when we see our society circling the drain, (laughs) when people mock and hate you for following Jesus, when following Jesus brings you a lot more difficulty and suffering than it does rainbows and lollipops, (laughs) what do we do? We press on. We press on. We keep doing what Christ has called us to do. Why? Because we know that our God is faithful. And we know that death is not the end. And we know where we're going. And we know that the payoff is worth it. Amen? Worth it. If Christ be not raised, then our hope, then our work, then any effort we have, well, that's just a waste of time. But he has been raised. It's been documented. There is gobs and gobs, mountains of evidence for this. It is way beyond a reasonable doubt. It has happened. And so we're called to be faithful. Have you grown a little tired? Maybe more than a little tired in being about the work that Christ has called you to? Are you tired of loving the unlovable? Are you tired of forgiving people that seem to just make it their mission to offend you and hurt you? Are you tired of saying no to all of those vices that you see your neighbors just just boisterously and unashamedly enjoying? Are Are you single? You're single and tired of of keeping yourself pure and waiting and wondering, what does God have for my future? Is is there that special man or is there that special woman? I, I don't know. Are you tired? Are you tired of submitting to authorities? Maybe you've got a boss, maybe you've got a teacher, maybe you've got a a mom or dad or, or some politician who seems to be making it their mission to get under your skin and wreak havoc on your life. Are you tired? Are you tired of the way that following Jesus makes you the odd person out? It puts a wedge between you and your family members. Maybe it keeps you from giving up. Maybe you just want so badly to just give up. I just want to take that towel and throw it in there, wherever that proverbial place is. I want to throw in that towel, and I just want to walk away. Maybe it's from your spouse, your family, is driving you to the edge of insanity. Are you tired? Be faithful. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do you remember the words of Proverbs 3? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's a call to faithfulness. In light of his faithfulness, 
God calls you to faithfully trust Him. To faithfully recognize His Lordship in every area of your life. To faithfully rely on His wisdom, the wisdom of His Word, rather than your own. To faithfully honor and respect Him. To faithfully turn and run from everything that is not of Him. Be faithful. You're called to faithfulness. We know what faithfulness is because God's revealed His character to us. He is faithful. We know that we are called to faithfulness because that's what His his Word calls for. Thirdly, we know that our unfaithfulness has been forgiven because God's Son paid for it. God is completely and perfectly faithful, yes? Yes. We are not, yes? Yes. Arthur W. Pink, long since gone, wrote a book called The Attributes of God. Here's what he wrote. Pink was by no means faithful to the end, but he wrote these words, and they are true. Unfaithfulness is one of the most outstanding sins of these evil days, he writes. In the business world, a man's word is, with exceedingly rare exceptions, no longer his bond. In the social world, marital infidelity abounds on every hand. The sacred bonds of wedlock being broken with as little regard as the discarding of an old garment. In the ecclesiastical realm, that's the church realm for those of you who are not familiar, he writes, thousands who have solemnly covenanted to preach the truth make no scruple, that is, they, may, they have no hesitation to attack and deny it. He goes on, nor can reader or writer, speaking of himself who's doing the writing, nor can reader or writer complain claim complete immunity from this fearful sin and how many ways have we been unfaithful to Christ and to the light and privileges which God has entrusted to us. If, if you have God's Holy Spirit within you and God's Spirit has done the work that, that He does in people and that has opened our eyes to the reality of our sin, if you if you've had that happen, then your unfaithfulness to God is something you know very, very well. You aren't blind to it. You know what bad shape that you are in. I know what bad shape I am in without Jesus Christ. Paul describes it in Ephesians 2 as being dead. You were dead. Dead in your trespasses and sins in which, which you once walked. You weren't faithfully following God. You were following the passions of, well, your flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, were by nature children of wrath destined for judgment? That was us. But Paul doesn't stop there. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. How did he save you? How did he make up for the faithless mess of a life that you and I live? Through Christ's perfect, faithful obedience in going to the cross as our substitute. 
taking the punishment of our sin upon himself as he died. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And not only did Christ make a way for our unfaithfulness to be forgiven, no, but he goes beyond that. And our imperfect, inadequate lives have his untarnished, faithful, righteous record applied to them. This is incredible. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous The good news of the gospel is that for those of us who have placed our trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we've been washed clean of our failure and our rebellion and have had our relationship with God, that broken relationship, brought back and restored. And now we walk through life clothed in Christ's faithfulness and His righteousness I look in the mirror sometimes and I go, what a loser you are. And I'm not remembering that I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You know what that should do? That should lead me to worship and go, Lord, I know who I am without you. But, oh, I know who I am with you. We know what faithfulness is because of God's character. We know that we've been called to faithfulness because that's what God's word calls us to. We know that our unfaithfulness has been forgiven because God's son paid for it. Finally, we know that the development of faithfulness within us, it's possible because God's spirit produces it. Some people might stop short and they might say, well, I got my get-out-of-jail-free get card. I'm, I'm good to go. And, and now I can walk forward and live my life in unfaithfulness and inconsistency. And uh, you know, it's not going to be counted against me anymore. So whoop-dee-doo. For those of us who might just be tempted to think that way, we got to hold on. Romans 6, Paul tells us in no uncertain terms that when we trust that Christ died for our sins, our old self has been crucified with him. That old way of life, that lifestyle of unfaithfulness and rebellion, we're to consider dead and gone. And now just as Christ has been raised from the dead, we are to consider ourselves raised back to life to live in righteousness to God. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite verses. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul says in Galatians 5, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. But how am I supposed to live the way God wants me to live? I can't even keep a New Year's resolution. How am I supposed to live in complete faithfulness to Him? And that's exactly where the role of God's Holy Spirit comes into play. For those who have placed their trust in Christ, God's given them His Spirit to be inside of them, to empower them, to transform them into people who not only love God, 
but actually look more and more like God in his character as they struggle and as they strive and even joyfully worship him in obedience through their lives. As we actively walk in God's word and by his spirit, he produces faithfulness, ever increasing faithfulness in us. The fruit of the spirit is being produced in those who are walking by the Spirit and trusting in Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. Are you filled with joy? It's peace. It's patience. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. Are you faithful? Are you reliable? I know I'm not as I should be. But by God's grace and the power of His Holy Spirit, we should be striving to become more faithful, ever more reliable. We know what faithfulness is because of God's character. We know we're called to faithfulness because that's what God's Word says. (laughs) We know our unfaithfulness has been forgiven. Praise God for that. And we know that the development of faithfulness within us is possible because God's Spirit enables it. 